the volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Toyo Open Country AT3. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. What is up, my people? Thursday afternoon, second official show on the volume. Three and out, welcome. I'm John Middlecoff. Happy to be heard. Uh, happy that you're listening. As you can see, like I said, there wasn't going to really, nothing really changes for me, uh, which is the great part. Hopefully, we'll just help Colin and we grow, we get more people to listen. I know a lot of you guys, grassroots, been telling your friends for years. We, we've been at this. This isn't our first rodeo, uh, but let's rock and roll before we get into this big football season, which is really right around the corner. And actually, you know, I'm a college football guy. I'm sure many people are that are listening to this. We got some big games. I, I There are two coaches this week that I have circled that I, I wouldn't say must win, but there is one guy, it's his first uh, game he's ever coached for this team. And the other guy, he's just going to win. And he might have a ring on his finger from a couple years ago, but we'll dive into that. Some other NFL things that I've saw. Obviously, Cam Newton got released. Someone, maybe the host of this podcast, said that Cam Newton's job was in trouble to Colin earlier this week. He's gone, and uh, we, we were going to start with this, though. And also, Middlecoff Mailbag, at John Middlecoff, is the Instagram. Come in the Middlecoff Mailbag. I actually, you know, on the volume, you get some big thinkers. People are already kind of talking about making the mailbag something bigger than it already is, including some of your guys' handles. So, you know, this mailbag thing started as just an organic way to interact with the people. Might become a little cooler than you think. Uh, and for many of you, I know that you DM me and I always try to DM you back and definitely read your question here on the show. 
But let's start with the Miami Dolphins. And I think it's fair to say that they have an official major issue on their hands. And Jeff Darlington earlier this week reported that the head coach, Brian Flores, got in front of the team because I guess it would have been last over the weekend. There were reports that they were heavy in on Deshaun Watson. And uh, he got in front of the team and said that Tua is our guy. And I was thinking about this. If you have to make a declaration about your quarterback in front of the team going into year two, after you draft the guy fifth overall, you have a major freaking problem. That is not good. Like, if a year into your marriage, you have to gather all your friends and confess your love to prove to your wife that you love her in front of all, and you want to make sure that they all hear, like, I got you red flagged. And I understand he has no choice, but can you imagine if there was talk like the Chargers are sniffing around Deshaun Watson? You'd be like, why wouldn't you just rather have Justin Herbert? And they would, clearly. I mean, they, they would hang up. They would much rather have Justin Herbert. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, like this is not taking place any other of these places. Now, I understand that Deshaun Watson is a, you know, star quarterback, your top five, seven guy. But Tua was drafted fifth overall. Fifth. Joe Burrow, like they're all in on Joe Burrow. They're all in on Justin Herbert. They're all in on typically young guys that you draft high. And now Miami is kind of in this situation where, let's face it, they clearly don't love their quarterback. Like this, to me, this conversation didn't come out of nowhere. I saw a headline earlier this week that said that the Dolphins owner is the one pushing for this. If that's true, how could you blame them? You saw last year, you go, we got a good team. We got a quarterback that is not as good as the other quarterback that we passed on. So if I'm him, of course I want to start quarterback. Because that's what I've been waiting on. We thought for a split second we had one with Ryan Tannehill. That wasn't the case. We have not had a quarterback since Marino. It's why I think, you know, over 20-year period, they were exactly 500 before Flores showed up. And then we finally get gifted. We tank. We do it the right way. We get the fifth overall pick, and we take a guy that might end up being the wrong selection. And now a year later, my coach is in front of the team telling them that, you know, kind of lying to the team. Like, Tua is not their guy. He's the guy they're stuck with right now while they're actively looking for upgrades. And I don't think there's a quarterback in the league, a young guy. Baker, Lamar, Mahomes doesn't count, but Herbert, Burrow, even this group of guys, obviously all the rookies, that have the microscope watching him that if he fails, like, honestly, if he has a rough September, Tua, a rough September, it'll feel like his Dolphins career is trending to be over. Now, I don't mean he's going to get benched or anything this year, even though that's possible. They brought in Jacoby Brissett. But I, I don't think any young quarterback over the last several years has as much tangible pressure surrounding him as Tua. Honestly, I don't even think it's close. And you can already feel it. The hell, the building already feels it. And now the coach and GM know. Because they're like, hey, hey, Stephen Ross, this you know, guy that's super rich, we're good at our jobs. And it's clear they are. They tanked the right way. They just got the wrong quarterback. And I got news for you. It's a quarterback league. You can be great on special teams. You can be awesome on defense. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance. Hint, their season last year. They won 10 games. They missed the playoffs. So I, I, I don't know. And think about week one. Tua, 
of all the young quarterbacks, you could argue, obviously, early on in the season. I'm just talking week one, too. He's got to face Belichick. What if he loses that game and looks terrible, which doesn't feel inconceivable? Then what happens? It's gonna be it's gonna be really, really hard for Tua to kind of shed this narrative that's following him right now, that he's not that good. And the one elephant that's been added to the room is there was the picture that went viral over the last week. And it was the picture after they won, I don't know what national championship it is because it feels like they've won 50, but the Alabama picture when they were all on the same team. And the picture was three guys standing next to each other. Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts, and Tua. And all three guys are starting week one, which I actually think is one of the more underappreciated accomplishments of the Saban era. He has three starting quarterbacks week one, and they're all 23 years old or under. That's incredible. For a program that a decade ago was winning national championships with running backs and defense, and now they're just becoming, I I don't know if any of these three guys are going to be any good, but still, Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts, Tua are starting week one. Hat tip to Nick Saban. Like, that's that's big time. What if Tua's the worst? And you're like, oh, John, that's up. Are we sure it's not possible? Like, what if Mac is just solid with the Patriots? What if Jalen Hurts, who my buddies in Philly say he's looked pretty good. They have some weapons. Now, I'm not a Jalen Hurts believer. You've heard me say a year ago, I thought he was a running back. I might be wrong. I might be wrong. And if those two guys are better than Tua, the Dolphins have an all, that's an all-time whiff. It just is. But the true pressure starts this week. Okay, we have to do this, even though I think the headline is a lot bigger than the action. And that's Cam Newton, who clearly, obviously, we all know by this time, got released. And hundreds of players were released this week. And I don't think it was close. Cam Newton was a bigger story than every other player released combined. And in fairness, he should be. You know, he's one of the more famous players in the league, former MVP. He's a big name. And it was, I don't think it was shocking. Clearly, Belichick didn't think it was shocking. But anytime a player of that magnitude, who's not like 40 years old, I think he's 31 or 32, gets released, he'd been the starting quarterback, they re-signed him. I, I, I understand why it's a big story. But I don't think we should be shocked by him being released. And I think when you factor all the variables in, it's really not shocking at all. And I I think I Instagram, like Belichick's cold-blooded. Belichick has done a lot of cold-blooded things in his career, right? And and starting early on in his career, when he went with Brady over Bledsoe. Like, that was a ballsy move. That took, you know, big-picture conviction and just some stones, some cojones, as uh, we say out here in the West Coast, took took some big cojones, actually. And it worked out. But then once him and Brady became established, he did a lot of things that were pretty nuts, right? Trading Asante Samuel, trading Richard Seymour, trading uh, Logan Mankins. I mean, stalwarts for their really good teams who were elite players and trading them. Trading for and then trading away Randy Moss. Not doing a contract with Wes Welker. Like, those guys were established star players for the Patriots. And it was like, damn. Belichick built up the cold-blooded resume. Same thing with Bill Walsh. He kind of followed that formula. Get rid of a guy a year early and not a year late. And I think you just think about that in any walk of life, any business. 
beside like uh, relationships, right? I mean, you can't look at personal relationships, whether it be a friend or boyfriend or whatever, girlfriend, like that. But you can in business. And in some businesses, you just have to be forward thinking. They're not necessarily people driven, right? You can just tell like industries are changing. Like part of the reason I'm able to do what I do right now is because it's 2021. I, people, a lot of people like, oh, congrats on the volume, congrats. Like I've been a full-time podcaster now for five years. Like this is not just something, like this is serious. This isn't like some passion project. This is my life. But the timing of it really, really matters. And the timing of just technology and radios dying, like I, I'm lucky, right? It just Belichick, the timing of this move is not very crazy. The timing of some previous moves were like, oh my God, I can't believe he did that. And he's earned that reputation. But hell, the craziest thing he ever would have been able to do, and Gronk basically said, F you, kick rocks, was when he was going to trade Gronk to the Lions. And Gronk's like, I, I quit, bro. You ain't trading me to, you know, uh, Patricia and the Lions. And Belichick would, didn't even hesitate. He would have done it. Gronk just quit on him. So when you look at this move, Cam wasn't any good last season. He hasn't been good now for a couple years. They were really desperate last season. So it made sense. They just, they had no other option. Hoyer, Stidham, they all suck. Cam was the best of that because he could run around. This year, they re-signed him because at the time, sometimes you re-sign a guy or sign a guy in March or even early April because before the draft happens, you don't know what is going to happen, right? A lot of people take jobs while they have a job just so they have an area to pivot. Even if they kind of like their job, maybe they get a better opportunity, but they take it before. And maybe you could look back in a couple years, you go, you know what? I should have stayed with that company. That company was bigger than I ever thought it would be. I could have made more money or vice versa. You go, the best thing I ever did was leave that job for another job. But you usually, a lot of times you have to make that decision, you know, early on when you don't have that information. So it's easy to go, how do the Bears have Andy Dalton? Because they didn't have Justin Fields when they signed Andy Dalton. I think it's fair to say, I know everyone's crushing Nagy, they would not have signed Andy Dalton if they knew they were going to get Justin Fields. And they definitely wouldn't have paid him $10 million. He would not have re-signed Cam Newton if he knew he had Mac Jones on his team. But he signed Cam Newton before he had Mac Jones. If he would have known in hindsight, it's easy to go, why did he even bring him back? Why did he give him that you know $1.5 million signing bonus? He did not have the information. So you have to make decisions before you get in the position of the draft. It's funny, I, whenever I go to Niner practice and I see D'Amico Ryan out there, when I was in Philly, we traded for D'Amico Ryan. But there was a period before we made that trade where it was like, we were drafting pretty high. I think that was the year we ended up drafting Fletcher Cox. But everyone loved Luke Keekley. The whole building did. Howie, Andy. I, I remember Andy, I think Howie and Andy had a conversation and Andy was like, this guy's going to be, uh, I wasn't privy, but I remember Howie talking about this uh, in a draft meeting was like, this guy's going to be a Hall of Famer. And it was like, this guy was beloved. I mean, it was like, Luke Keekley's going to be a star. We thought we could get him, you know, before the D'Amico Ryan trade. Then he goes to the combine. He ran like a 4-4-4 and everyone starts meeting him. He's a golden child. He's a great guy. It's like, this guy's going to go in the top 10. And he ended up going in the top 10. But we had to make that move just because you didn't know if the guy was going to be there or not. And you have to make those moves. It's obviously quarterbacks, the most famous position at stuff like that, because when you sign a quarterback, the quote unquote bridge guy, he usually is a former starter. And you have to make these decisions before. 
Well, then they end up getting Mac Jones, 15th overall. They use, they use the 15th overall pick on Mac Jones. In the history of Belichick, he's been a head coach now for like 26 years. The highest drafted quarterback he'd ever had before this season was Jimmy Garoppolo. And what did Belichick want to do with Jimmy Garoppolo? He wanted him to replace Tom Brady, who is the greatest quarterback of all time, seven-time Super Bowl champ. That's what he had in mind. Because Bill Walsh did it with Steve Young. He was Belichick Steve Young. Now, I would push back, having watched Jimmy really closely, he's not Steve Young. <laughs> like, that much is in. But who knows? You know, maybe circumstances he's been injured. He never would have been Steve Young. Maybe he could have had a better career if he would have stayed healthy. His career's still going, but you know what I mean. But that's the way Belichick thinks. But you, free agency comes before the draft. So it does limit your ability to make moves. Or just the way you think. And when you're not drafting in like the top five, you don't truly know what's going to happen. There was a chance Mac Jones went fifth overall. What if I told you, and I don't know this for a fact, what if Belichick didn't like Justin Fields or Trey Lance? He's like, I wouldn't take in those guys. We know, I mean, let's face it. I, I love Bill Belichick. I think he's the greatest coach of all time. He can be a little, he can be very hit or miss in the draft. Right? He just can't. He took Sony Michelle over Nick Chubb. That's a miss. He took Chase Winovich in the second round. Like, I think he'd like to have that one back. Now, if you draft long enough, you're going to have hits and misses. But the one thing Belichick really knows is his team. It's why the worst season they've had in 21 years was last year, which for them was a complete embarrassment. They went 7-9 and nine with a quarterback that was like in the mid-50 completion percentage. They led the league in opt-outs. Think about that. Their team was a... If, if John Gruden, if Cliff Kingsbury, if just random coaches in the league were the head coach of the Patriots last year, how many games they win? Two? So Belichick, if you just give him functional players, like he knows he can get to double digits. He did it with Matt Castle. He'd probably do it with Mac Jones. Cam's not really even a functional player anymore. And that's beside whether he's vaccinated or not. Like I don't even... I, I truly don't think Belichick even cared. I think it was just simple as this guy's way better. And then to mix and match with Cam, like I, that's not really what Belichick does. So maybe Sean Payton will do that. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan's going to do that. Like Belichick clearly decided, like, yeah, I'm not into that. Let's just run one offense. Mac has some similarities to Tom in the sense of they can run their original New England Patriot offense. Throw to running backs, throw to tight ends, play defense, play special teams. Bye-bye Cam Newton. So I think when you look at the totality of it all, it's really more of a headline than some crazy move. Because let's face it, Cam Newton's the type of guy that should get cut. Okay, let me tell you about my friends at FanDuel. Football season's here. And if you've never bet on the NFL, there's never been a better time to give FanDuel Sportsbook a shot. Because right now, you can place your first bet risk-free. That's right. You'll get up to $1,000 back if you don't win. FanDuel gives you so many bets to choose from, there are same-game parlay bets, player props, futures, and so much more. See for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sports book. 21 plus and present in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG. Colorado, New Jersey, Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT, Indiana. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. 
<sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's go a little rapid fire on some things that I saw around the league that that caught my attention. 
over the last couple days. And I want to start with, I, I was actually thinking about this. <clears throat> I, I listened to some of uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick with, uh, the, with part of my take, and he was really good. And he was, I mean, he's Harvard guy, highest Wonderlick score in NFL history. He's clearly just a high-level human and a solid quarterback who's had some high highs and some low lows. But I saw the headline that he was officially named the uh, the football team, which I actually think they should keep that. Uh, that should just be their logo. They're just the WFT. I, I think the W looks cool. I wouldn't even try to overthink it because every name that I see that gets associated with them, I'm like, that looks terrible. Just, just kick with the football team. But I'm walking around and listening to Ryan talk, and he's been to like, I think he's got like six or seven kids, and every kid's been born in a different place. He's never been in, beside Buffalo any place long. And because forever, right, 70s, 80s, when I was a kid in the 90s, then even the 2000s, it was borderline impossible to play quarterback, right? Uh, you know, it was just, you were so, you were an outlier in high school to play college, you know, college quarterback, big time college quarterback. You were two things. You were either unreal or you went to a big program, you handed off a lot or you ran. But if you became an NFL quarterback, all we heard is like, you know, you get all the girls, you get all the money, but you get killed. You're, you you got to have so much talent, throw guys open. There are no windows. That shit is impossible. And let's face it, like playing quarterback in the NFL, still extremely difficult. It is still very, very hard. But it is a lot easier than it was 20, 30 years ago. You are not going to get killed anymore. Mainly because they're not even allowed to hit you. But to me, the number one thing that is so much different than you know, the 80s and 90s when a huge part of NFL marketing was, you know, putting out big hit videos and you throw out big hit videos. I remember owning them like I had Michael Jordan tape. I mean, they were tapes and of just big hits and bloopers. Well, part of quote unquote throwing a guy open and throwing through a tight window is because Ronnie Lotts and Steve Atwaters, Atwaters and John Lynch's were there to destroy you. And you had to be like careful to call your plays because people would get killed. Well, now it's just kind of seven on 70. It's still a physical game. And I'm not trying to act like these guys are necessarily soft because if they did allow big hitting, there would be a lot of big hitters in the league. Like the safeties want to hit, especially the, the tough ones. And they exist. But they're not allowed to anymore. And they're coached through now college because if you get those penalties, they kick you out of the game. So it's just kind of wired. They, they've changed the way they play. And I, I actually think, I don't want to say it used to be malicious. It was part of the game. Like I was trying to inflict pain on you. I didn't want to hurt you. I didn't even necessarily want to knock you out of the game, but I wanted you to feel me. I, I, have to, I can't really think like that anymore because if I'm a little off, I'll, I'll get I'll get 15-yard flag. In college, I'll get tossed. So it has made it easier on wide receivers and the passing game. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm listening to him talk, and I'm a fan. Like, he's a he's a fun NFL character. And at the end of the day, the NFL is kind of the number one reality show right now in America, and it's cool. And he's a fun character on a team that might be a playoff team. But I started thinking, like, if this was the 80s, and even if Fitzpatrick had made it, right, like he did. You know, he came in the league in 05, and he became that starting quarterback in Buffalo, like 10-11, that kind of that range. Probably zero chance that he's still around. He just, his career would have been a lot shorter. So he is, I, I'm using him as kind of a symbol 
of it is just if you're just a capable player, you're going to be able to play so much longer and make so much more money than you ever would. And if you're kind of an above average guy like Fitzpatrick, who if we're doing like if Aaron Rodgers is a 10 out of 10, right? Mahomes is a 10 out of 10. And like Cousins is like a six out of 10, six and a half. What's Fitzpatrick? Probably like a five. So just average. Like an average guy doesn't get to start at 39 years old 15 years ago. You would have been destroyed. You you just wouldn't have been able to keep playing. So he, to me, really benefits from the timing and uh, of just where the league's at. Urban Meyer. I've been, it feels like I've been bagging on him for a minute now. And it, I promise you, there's zero personal. Like, I, I do not, I've never met the guy. I really do not care. But it's just a guy that had that much juice and that much power. And Florida and Ohio State are basically NFL programs. The money's extreme. The fame's extreme. Their games, that their fan bases are extreme. Like, the University of Florida is infinitely more popular than, like, the Jags in terms of fan base. I mean, Ohio State... I would imagine Ohio State has more fans. I'm talking not, I'm just talking quantity. Like actual people that just, if you met, said, I'm an Ohio State Buckeyes football fan. I don't know, then more than half the NFL. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's arguably, I know Alabama's probably the best program. I mean, it is with Saban. Ohio State is the biggest football program, I would say, in the country. Um, and Urban played a role even taking it to another level. But in college, the, the the players, they don't answer to anybody but you. And depending, and I'm sure many people listening to this deal with unions. And it, it comes up a lot in politics. Like, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? Well, if a union is involved, it becomes very, very complicated. And no matter how polarizing the issue would be, no, it, it's irrelevant. The union defends their own. That is literally their job. So I watched, and I'm a sucker for these, and I, I just, I watch a lot of them. General managers, press conferences after the 53 man was announced. And I saw countless GMs asked about the vac- vaccination process, if it played a role in their, you know, deciding on their roster. And let's face it, I live in reality. You would be naive to think it did not with fringe guys. If a guy is so good, like I saw Darius Leonard's on back, like obviously your starters, you don't give a shit. Hell, a good backup, you don't care either. But if we're talking about borderline players, which on a 53-man roster, you know, that last seven or eight guys could probably go either way between your practice squad guys. Every single one of them said, yeah, no factor. No fact. Even Mike Mayock was asked, like, I'm just a football guy. We we lean football. Belichick, no. Right? It just, every single one. He said the opposite. Of course, every single general manager, you know, I don't think wants to say the same thing, but is thinking what he's thinking. But they work in the big leagues. They know they have to deal with the union. Agents. Like, this is the national football. This isn't college where you just... Oh, whatever. I'm the head coach. This is a big business with a lot of different entities and variables that you have to answer to. You are no longer the grand poobah. It's why within 24 hours, the Jags had to come out with a statement basically saying, yeah, he didn't mean what he said. 
He does not understand the business because that's what this is. A business where the players are represented by the union. Like, have a clue, bro. You don't just get to coach the team with your whistle and say whatever you want anymore. And I, this thing has got off to a very, very rocky start. Very. He had to fire a strength coach. He doesn't know the rules. Uh, his, his first round pick, this isn't his fault, is gone for the season. Th- this Urban thing has been a dumpster fire. A complete dumpster fire. And their team's just not very good. So it's just not off to a great start. But a lot of these things are kind of understandable. He has never had to answer to anybody. Because by the time he got to Ohio State, he was the most powerful guy on campus. More powerful than Gene Smith. More powerful even than the president. Everyone for that three or four year period answered to him. Same thing in his heyday in Florida. That's not the case here. You're like, I'm sorry, some players have more juice. Like if the Jags had to pick, they would pick, if Trevor Lawrence after year one goes NBA player, says, I can't be around this guy anymore. Bye-bye, Urban. This is the game's changed. Uh, and the last thing is I saw Tony Dungy, who I will say over and over, incredible person, better person than me, right? He's a A plus character. But I've often said like, you know, he does nothing for me on television. He says nothing. Like this is television. This is an entertainment product. So just to sit a famous guy there to like, Say nothing to me makes no sense. You would be better off hiring someone who was less famous, but would actually say something. And you'd be like, damn, and just kind of bring some energy. He brings nothing. Uh, but maybe NBC, you know, I mean, they're doing Drew Brees, same thing. Like they don't really go, uh, they don't really think outside the box. But he said something regarding gambling. And he, let me read his quotes. This is Tony Dungy on the NFL embracing gambling. I don't know why the NFL changed its stance. My objection is just personal. So he's he's acknowledging that. I don't think we should encourage people who are watching the NFL to gamble, especially young people. I've got boys. I want them to enjoy the game for what it is. It's a great game. And I know people gamble. I know it's legal. I just want to see the, I just don't want to see the NFL promoting it. That's just my personal opinion. I know there are a lot of people that don't agree with that. So again, like he's even acknowledging people like me exist, right? Here would be my thing. The NFL has embraced, I would argue their main sponsor for a long time has been alcohol. Budweiser, Coors Light, Miller Light. You can't go to a stadium with the, do you understand the amount of money alcohol companies spend on marketing, especially Budweiser historically? A lot. And the NFL has openly taken their cash, just like every league is, as they should. You know, I'm, I'm in business with an alcohol company. But, like, it's a little disingenuous to be, like, pick and choose what's right and wrong. Hell, the NFL is in bed with, you know, like, fast food companies historically. Like, you watch an NFL game, McDonald's. You think, what's worse for, like, can we, how do you decipher what's better and what's worse for you? And listen, if you are gambling money you don't have, you can get in trouble. It's why when you hear the FanDuel reads and all these reads, there are disclaimers about, you know, gambling anonymous. Like, just there's help out there. Be careful with your money. But the same could be said about fast food, which is terrible for you. Check out the health system. There is uh, obviously alcohol. I don't know if you ever heard of alcoholics. Like, I I just think 
that anytime something new comes in, we just think, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. I don't promotion of gambling to young kids. Like, it's going to be fine, Tony. It, it, it really is. And he's saying that. Like, listen, it's personal, but it's like, bro, this would be my thing with NBC. I, I just think you need some new blood. Just get some younger people. And I'm not always acting like younger people are on things. I see younger people say things in social media all the time, especially younger people that are like, have prominent roles, whether they're athletes, whether they're media members, that I think are fucking moronic. So I'm not like Mr. Always Gotta Go Young Over Old. Hell, most old people have a lot of wisdom. They know what they're talking about. Clearly, Tony does too. But on this issue, like, it, trust me, Tony, it's going to be a revenue source and it's not going to be as bad as you think. I, I promise you. Okay, let's talk about two college football coaches who I think have a lot on the line this weekend. And these are two games that I can't wait to watch. Let's start with LSU and UCLA. Ed Ogeron had one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen in college football history. They went 15-0. They beat the crap out of everybody. They produced, I mean, it feels like 50 first-round picks. Star quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, linemen, defensive player, you name it. They had it all. And they they were an all-time. Statistically, they're going to translate forever. The eye test, we'll all never forget them. It was badass. Here's the problem. When you have leader head coaches that aren't scheme-oriented, right? You like say Saban is ultimately now a CEO head coach. But when it comes to knowing the defense, he knows every play call. And if you don't think he knows the offensive concepts, you're out of your mind. Ed Ogeron is, to me, closer to like a John Harbaugh. And I think John Harbaugh knows more football than Edo. But Harbaugh's big. Th- he's, a, he's a motivator. He'll bring like a samurai sword in the locker room with like a, with like a tree stump and cut a, cut a tree in front of the guys. He'll just do crazy motivational stuff and just fires guys up. That's kind of Eddie's role. He is very dependent on his coordinators. When he's had good coordinators, the Ravens have been good. Right now, Greg Roman, Wink Martindale, they're good, right? And he leads the squad and motivates them all, and they've been winning games. Ed Ogeron, two years ago, had the head coach of Baylor, was his defensive coordinator. Joe Brady was his offensive coordinator. And he obviously had a quarterback. And LSU, you know, hasn't normally had a quarterback. Well, here's what I know about LSU. And this is why when you look back on uh, Les Miles... It was like, God, he had Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. You just had all these players, and they were always so terrible on offense. You're like, no wonder. God, they underachieved. And knowing people at Alabama, they always thought that LSU underachieved. And finally, with Ed O for that one year, they achieved. Then he got a big extension, rightfully so. You deserve to get extended when you win a national championship. It was an all-time great season, beat Alabama. It was badass. We all acknowledge it was badass. Things change, though, and people forget the past. I was thinking about that the other day. You know, it's 2021. You know, if you have friends or people in your life, or even yourself, that are constantly holding on to things from, like, the 2000s, or the, you know, hell, like, even, like, 2012. Like, that's 10 years ago almost. You know, you got to look forward. Nick Saban, they have pictures and stuff in the offices, but if you think Nick Saban is, like, bragging to people about the 2014 team like no he's one belichick you think belichick gives two shits about the three super bowls he won in the last decade 
He is 100% focused on here and now. And most coaches are. I'm not saying Eddie O is holding on. I think he is completely focused on the present and trying to win now. I'm talking about the people that ultimately sign his checks, which is the boosters, the athletic department. This game against UCLA, I got news for you. Being a West Coast guy, our football soft. It just is. It's just kind of a reflection right now of the culture. Now, our NFL football isn't, but off, but collegiately, like the Pac-12 has fallen off a cliff. No one argues that. They deserve the heat they've gotten. The SEC laughs at us. Laughs at us about the style of play. But last year, knowing some coaches that are in the SEC, Alabama played like 14 games. They, they The Pac-12 canceled the season, basically. And then they started it up with the Big Ten. That was never going to happen in the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC. There is not one power broker at LSU that will view UCLA even close to as an equal, let alone someone that should be on the same field as them. And I don't mean, obviously, you schedule those games. I just mean, once the game starts, if you just ask the random LSU fan, they would, UCLA, we should kick the shit out of them. And honestly, from a talent standpoint, they should pretty easily beat them. But I don't know if they will. Like, they obviously have two new coordinators, a ton of pressure. They got displaced with the hurricane. I think they had to go to Houston. Now they're coming out. I, I, I think from a talent standpoint, they should win. But I know this. If they do not win that game, for a guy that just won, you know, a national cha- the best national championship they've ever won. I mean, they undefeated, best one of the best teams of all time. People will forget. And you lose this game to the soft UCLA Bruins and Chip Kelly, that is not going to fly in SEC country. And in fairness to the people that it wouldn't fly with, it shouldn't. LSU should not only not lose this game, they should be able to establish dominance. And if you can't beat Chip Kelly in a probably you know a 7-8 win UCLA team, you got problems. And you can start asking yourself, can we really beat long term like everything had to come together? with Ed and that team. That might never happen again. Think how long it took for Harbaugh, John, that is, to get from that 2012 team to Lamar Jackson. Like, Ed's not going to get that runway. He just won't. So he he better win this weekend. And the other guy, now I this is not as important as Ed Ogeron because he's this is the first game he's ever coached for Texas. But Steve Sarkeesian was escorted out of the USC building. And whether it was alcohol, drug, I don't know. I've heard different things. I've had people that know him, they were adamant it wasn't drug, whatever. That's clearly somewhat been put in the back burner. We don't judge Sark on his lowest moment because he went to Atlanta, then he went to Alabama, and he changed kind of the narrative around him, which he earned. Same thing with Lane. Same thing with Lane. But Lane leaving Alabama had to go to some school that honestly most of us had never heard of in Florida. I'm still not, Florida Atlantic, Florida Central. I don't even off the top of my head. I have to Google it. I think it's Florida FAU. Before he got the Ole Miss job, and let's face it, everyone in their right mind would take the Texas job over Ole Miss, even though Ole Miss is not a terrible job. Sweet conference. You're allowed to cheat. Um, not that Texas really isn't, but. Uh, Texas is a better job. We all, even an old Miss fan, you know, if we were being honest with each other, would admit that. Well, Sark gets his first game like, a little like LSU, UCLA. He's playing, but the difference is he's not even playing a power five opponent. He's playing, playing Louisiana 
Lafayette, who just, if you don't follow college football that often, you're like, Texas, Louisiana, Lafayette, Texas is going to kill them. Louisiana Lafayette has been one of the better non-Power 5 programs for the last couple of years. Their head coach, who actually I met when I went through Colorado State when I was scouting because Jim McElwain, who just got the job, was with him at Alabama, brought him to uh, Alabama, uh, Billy Napier, who has been turning down SEC jobs, jobs like Baylor and, and Big 12 jobs. He is going to get, like Sark, a job like Texas or Miami or so, you know something in that, Florida State, right? Uh uh, Georgia, I'm not saying Georgia's coming open, but you get my drift. Like, he is going to get a big boy job. And his team is established and good. Now, Texas should have better players than Louisiana Lafayette, obviously. On paper, they do. But last I looked, it was an eight-point line. I like Louisiana Lafayette. And I don't think it's inconceivable that Louisiana Lafayette beats Texas. Now, do you, you're not getting fired or anything. I mean, he's getting several years on the job. But first impressions matter. So if you're telling me your first impression as a Texas head coach is losing to a non-five power program, like I think that happened to Saban. I forget the team. If any Alabama fan listening knows, he lost, I think, the first game he ever played against some random team. But he ended up winning national championships. No big deal. And he's Nick freaking Saban. He had already won a national championship at LSU. The difference is, and listen, have I met Sark? I don't know if I've actually ever met personally Sark. I know people that I know that know him really like him. I, I'm probably a cool hang. I don't know, sober now. But, you know, sober people, you know, if he's alcoholic, glad he's sober. But fun hang. Uh, even sober, I would imagine. The thing at C- when he was in Seattle at the UW at University of Washington, and then when he got to USC, it didn't look that great. So I saw Nick when he coached and he went to Alabama, like he was sweet. He dominated LSU. Sark kind of underachieved. At, at University of Washington, they were recruiting a ton of players, and they struggled to win more than seven games. When he got to USC, before the incident happened at the team meeting, and he got yanked out and ultimately fired, their team was not that good. So it's not like you were just when Chris Peterson got the Washington job with all of Sark's players, he started winning immediately. So I, I just think, I know everyone likes this guy, and he was awesome at Alabama. Well, guess what? They had Mac Jones, Tua, they had a million first-rounders, Najee Harris, all the wide receivers. A little different animal now. It's just not going to be as easy. So you lose week one of your coaching career at this new university where football clearly matters, matters a lot, and they always feel like what could have, should have, you know, this, that. They always find a way to underachieve. And then you don't win your first game against a non-power five opponent. It's just that that'll be kind of a, a an elephant in the room that it will carry with him for a while until he wins big. Because let's face it, he's probably not beating Lincoln Riley for a couple years. Like that's not happening. He might lose. And then once I get to the SEC, like who knows when that's going to happen? I, I would imagine sooner than later. That might be next season. It's not out of the realm possibility that they are playing in the SEC. I know all everything that's been reported next year. Because shit talks, you know, shit walks, money talks, ton of money in the line. What's the point? Like, if you're getting a divorce, there's no point in staying in the same home together for four years. Like, move out, right? And I think I'd be shocked if they're not both there by max two years. I know they got five more years on the TV. That thing's going to get ripped up. And then it's going to get really hard for them. So, you, you know, keep an eye on Eddie O and Steve Sarkeesian. 
there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. 
They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Or download the app today. Okay, Middlecoff Mailbag. You guys know the drill. At John Middlecoff. Little thing they like to call my name. And I put at in front of it because that's what uh, I guess you got to do on the internet streets. And it creates this thing called Instagram. And you slide up into the Instagram, and you get your question answered. Okay, let's start with uh, with Austin. I'm going to try to save some of your guys, uh, your handles, so I can utilize you guys through social media. See if we can do this. From your home turf, Yolo County currently live in winners. Huge, huge fan of the pod, listening since last football season. My question for you is something I haven't heard a lot of people talk about, but probably will become relevant by midseason. What do you think the chances the Raiders part way part ways with Gruden ending the season following another poor performance? He hasn't come close to the playoffs in three seasons, and their team is going to be probably mediocre at best. And Mayock is definitely expecting a playoff appearance soon. I think he said that yesterday. He traded away all their stud talent and leadership right out of the gate and has nothing to show for it since. That, my friend, is a good question. Here's what I would say. I don't know if you saw the the thing going viral. It's Mark Davis's house. Mark Davis is going to buy, or not buy, he's going to build a $14 million house. And in Vegas, I mean, that's... Probably the equivalent in like a Chicago, New York, you know, major city, probably $28 million. You know, so it's whatever Vegas money is, is very cheap relative to like, you know, bigger cities, right? His, that same house in the Bay Area would probably be 50, you know, LA 50. He's building this just, it's unlike anything I ever seen. Really, when I saw it, I thought it was their offices, but it's a house. And I, I think this. The Raiders are are in a weird spot. They just moved and they're coming to a market which has never had pro sports. I'm talking major pro sports. They've had minor league stuff. But right before they got there, a hockey team went. And I grew up in, you know, in Davis, but you know, it's closer to Sacramento than let's say San Francisco. Now, when I would grow up the Niners and the Giants, most people were fans of those teams or the Giant or the A's or the Raiders. But we had a basketball team, right? The Sacramento Kings. And the Sacramento Kings in the city of Sacramento were enormous. They got coverage like they were a baseball, basketball, or football team combined. They were were like Alabama football in Tuscaloosa, right? They they, they were all that mattered. So when you get a team, like even if, let's say, the A's, who might actually move to Vegas too, which is kind of ironic because the Raiders and A's always butted heads, but it turns out it was just because of whack job politicians in the shitty place where they played. But if the A's moved to Sacramento, and they won't, I mean, there's way more money in Vegas, they would be treated like a really, really big deal. Now, they win, so this analogy won't work perfectly, but they would sell out, they would have a lot of interest. But if the Kings were good, they were there first, they would just, people just gravitate there first. And the, the Las Vegas got a hockey team. And that hockey team, the moment they got there, they went to the Stanley Cup Finals. And I heard, I was listening to, on the radio, heard this NHL guy talk during the playoffs, and he thought that the that the Vegas hockey team 
of all the playoff teams in the NHL had the best home ice advantage. People are going nuts. I mean, just YouTube some like opening, you know, before the puck drops. I don't even know what the lingo is in, in the NHL. People are very, have a lot of, you know, just fervor toward the NHL team as they should. They finally got a team. Football is massive in Vegas. Why? Because we gamble. And unlike Tony Dungy, we love to gamble. I've been, Tony, I've been gambling since I was like 15, bro. It's, trust me, look where I ended up. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but they have to win. I think here's the problem. They got some financial stuff that is just a little more complicated than a lot of other teams. And there is pressure, even though Mark Davis like gets to control the, the, the stadium, the casinos are funding the stadium. And they're paying him all the money for the suites. Like He's in bed with the casinos, as anyone that moves to Vegas will be. He should be. They, but they're going to have some juice. Like If this isn't working, like are, do they pressure him a little booster style like college football to get rid of John? Now, I do not think John Gruden would get fired after year four. He's got a 10-year contract. I do think if he got past like year five and John hadn't been to the playoffs, like is he just going to keep coaching? And just getting his ass kicked? I, I could see... He, John Gruden's so rich. He was already rich before he took Mark Davis's $100 million. And it's not like he took the $100 million over a 10-year period. But I don't think it's inconceivable to think like John Gruden, five years, they missed the playoffs all five years, leaves. Just quits. And obviously ESPN would immediately take him back. But I'm with you. I, I, I think there is little to no chance they make the playoffs. The AFC is dramatically better than the NFC. Uh, we saw last year the Raiders were actually pretty solid. They missed the playoffs by three games. Three. Like that's it's one thing to miss the playoffs by a game. Missed it by three. And it took eleven to get in, in the AFC. And their defense is terrible. So I, I think it's not gonna be pretty. Kevin, longtime listener of the show. Props on your scoop with the potential Cam Newton being straight up cut before the season. I wouldn't call it a scoop. I'd call it a it was a Intuition, educated guess, just follow the league long enough. Uh, caught a lot of people by surprise. Nor, uh, blah, blah, blah. As a Patriots fan, there are certainly shades of Brady in Mac Jones. Kid is as cool as a cucumber. Are cucumbers really that cool? Maybe I, I haven't been around a cucumber in a long time. Do they do they feel cool when you, when you open up or you got to put them in the refrigerator to cool them up? I just, is that just one of those things that we say that doesn't actually like... You know, they say, what's a, a, a bird in a bird in the hands better than two in the bush? Like, how many people have birds in their hands, right? I don't know. Kid is as cool as a cucumber. Would like an unbiased opinion. Do you think New England has an outside chance of winning the AFC East, making a playoff run, and Mac being a rookie of the year? I certainly do. Well, think about it like this. Belichick plays the Bills really close. Remember, they almost beat him last year and Cam fumbled the ball. So he, one thing Belichick will know better than every single coach is his own division. He's been with the Patriots now 20 plus years. He knows every player in that division like the back of his hand. Strengths, weaknesses, scheme. He knows it all. So he is well equipped, if his quarterback plays well, to have success in the division. Now the division is better than it's been, right? Over Brady's time. Because the Bills are, are legit. The Dolphins are solid. The Jets suck. But like those two, that's four games. I think if he could just go four and two in the division, yeah. Now, I do think the Bills have a higher upside because 
at the end of the day, can Mac, if your defense has a couple bad games, can he carry you? I know Josh Allen can. I know Josh Allen can throw five touchdowns. Can Mac? I don't know. That, that'd be my thing. I would say I would pick the Bills, but I would pick the Patriots to finish second in that division. So I would go Bills. Maybe we'll get into this on like Monday's pod, but th- that would be, I would say, I would say no on the division, but I would feel pretty confident about them competing for a wild card and making a wild card. I'm, I'd pick them to make the playoffs. Lifelong Rams fan. Just wanted to know what your realis- realistic expectations are for them. Our weapons are really solid, but our O-line depth is concerning. Also, with the loss of Troy Hill and John Johnson III, good first name, feel like our defense will take a step back. Curious to hear your thoughts. Big fan of the show. Well, you have a new coordinator, right? And say what you want, Brandon Staley was a star. He was there one year, and their defense kicked ass. And he became a head coach immediately. And let's face it, like he got, he was filling big shoes, literally and figuratively, in uh, Bum Phillips, Wade Phillips. I think son of or son of Bum is his Twitter handle. I guess he's not Bum. That was his dad, R.I.P. But and McVay moved on, and he nailed it. And I bet if you would have known McVay last year going into the season, he'd be like, "How's your defensive coordinator?" He's like, "This guy is everything is advertised." He would never in a million years have thought the guy was going to get a coaching job. One and done, a defensive coach, but he did. And it happened to be the, I don't even know if Brandon Staley had to move. So it's like your defense is probably taking a step back, but here's where the, the kicker comes in. They made an all time great trade. Now, do you love giving up two first round picks? Ideally, no. But Jared Goff for Matt Stafford. And listen, I'm not some Jared Goff hater. I don't love his ability, but I'm a fan. He's a, He's a Bay Area guy. I've been watching him since he was like 18 years old. I want him to have success. But when it comes to him versus Matt Stafford, they are not even in the same conversation. They do not have much in common beside they play at the same position. In terms of physical characteristics, they really have nothing in common. And I think Stafford could be a game changer for the franchise. I think Matt Stafford could get your offense like stupid potent in the passing game. And I mean, he's he's had success throwing the ball with, I mean, obviously Calvin Johnson, Golden Tate. He also plays with some random guys in Detroit. Hit their problem there. Defense has been terrible. Well, their defense, again, even if it's not the number one overall defense, can still be solid. And they've never had a run game in Detroit. Well, what does Sean McVay do pretty well? Scheme the run game. Now, they had to trade for Sony Michelle because they lost Cam Akers, but they'll be able to run the ball. I, I think the Rams are going to be pretty freaking good. How do you evaluate college coaches as a scout? Outside of Saban, Riley, Fitzgerald, and about a dozen others, aren't most college football coaches only as good as their program? Uh, that's a good question. I would say no, they're not. Because, for example, you go to like Chris Peterson when he was at Boise, or Luke Fickle when he was at Cincinnati, or... I'm trying to think of a smaller power five program. Dan Mullen, when he was at Mississippi State, is a good example. When you can go to programs that don't consistently win, or, or don't, you know, Boise consistently wins, but like take them to another level. Cincinnati was good. Take them to another level. Brian Kelly did it. Well, Brian Kelly's pretty freaking good. What happened? He went to Notre Dame. He's had a lot of success. Chris Peterson kicked everyone's ass at Boise. What happened? He got the Washington job. He was good, right? 
Now, it doesn't always work. Scott Frost is a good example. But I would say the dude in Iowa State right now, like in my lifetime, you don't look like Iowa State could make the playoffs. Like people are saying that. The smart college football people are saying that. And there's a reason he's interviewing for jobs. Like Baylor got to the Big 12 championship two and a half years after a crazy sexual assault scandal. It was like, yeah, this guy's a big-time head coach. You know, he's either going to get hired by the NFL or he's going to get another sweet college job. And I think part of it is when you are developing NFL players, like what Saban's doing is remarkable. But let's face it, every uh, program in the country would have taken guys like Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, Najee Harris, like Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Jalen Hurt. Like the guys he's recruiting... He is recruiting against the cream of the crop, right? Who are the other, like, he really recruits probably against, I would say, five teams. LSU, Georgia, Florida, Clemson, Ohio State. Like, who who else could even compete? Like, hey, you want to go play at Penn State or Alabama? Like, uh, go to Alabama. <laughs> like, I would say, beside four or five programs, I don't even think it would be a contest with Nick. And you could argue Nick doesn't really have that much competition. I mean, hell, he's getting dudes from California. But when I go to when I go to Iowa State and I am getting two and three stars and then I turn them into into NFL players, guys that are getting drafted in the top hundred picks, you could argue that's equally as impressive as someone who gets, I don't know, a top ten overall recruit. Let's just use a Bosa brother or a Miles Garrett and a guy like that, and then turns them into a top ten pick. Like that is impressive, but kind of what he should have done, right? What happens when you get a three star guy? And then turn him into a stud. And when I was at Fresno State, Pat Hill did that for a decade. He was getting guys that best offer was like Washington State. And then he turned him into a top four round pick. That's impressive. It, it really is. Because I remember I was I was telling someone this week, when I was at Fresno State, we had Ryan Matthews. And I remember like the first couple training camp practices I went to as just like a member of the staff thinking like, Jesus Christ. Oh my God, this guy's incredible. And he was, he ended up being a top 15 pick two years later, but I'll never forget. Like once I got farther and farther into the program and you kind of know all the secrets, one of the reasons Ryan Matthews ended up at Fresno state is because his GPA was terrible. He was not eligible for, uh, you know, most programs, the PAC 12, every team was off him, and mainly the big ones like Pete Carroll. Well, Pat Hill, and some of his staff worked to get him eligible. They helped him out his senior year in high school. Like, you know, worked with him to do online classes. Ryan had to do a lot of a lot of work. He had to get higher grades on tests. And he ultimately did to become eligible to play Division I football. The moment word got out that Ryan Matthews was eligible, Pete Carroll called him and offered him a scholarship. Ryan, loyal guy, stayed committed to Fresno State. But like I, even Pat would tell you, like, yeah, Ryan's one of the best players I ever had in the program. But to me, he's not the guy, right? It's more like a Derek Carr or a Logan Mankins, people that like other programs are not offering scholarships to. And then you develop and turn into a really good player. Boise made a, you know, they've made their program out of doing that. So I, I, I think that's how you evaluate as a front office if you were thinking about hiring him. Because my, my beef... Like, everyone acts like Chip is some all-time great coach. Here's the thing. Like, I, I think Harbaugh and what, what Harbaugh and Pete did in the Pac-10 at the time, Pac-12, was more impressive than what Chip did. Because, and I'm not 
I'm probably more of a hater on Chip than I am Def- Urban Meyer. I don't even care. Oregon was good. Oregon was a consistent top 20 program. Top 20. Now, Chip took them into like the top five. But if you remember correctly, Pete left, then Jim left, and the conference sucked. The conference was bad. It's it just it's not as top-heavy anymore, but it's more spread out now. Chip was killing a bunch of bad teams. Like, he didn't have to beat Pete Carroll. Jeff Tedford got fired. The cow was not any good anymore. Stanford, Stanford was still solid. He beat them. I'll give him that. But, like, Pete Carroll and Harbaugh, USC was terrible when Pete took him over. Harbaugh, I'm pretty sure, took over a 1-11 and program. Like, that's really impressive. And those guys, you know, went to the NFL. Obviously, Pete was more sustainable. But, like, what they did was impressive. Chiefs fan here. You think Patrick Mahomes can get to Brady level at the end of his career? Uh, I would, I mean, from just an all-time resume standpoint, I would say no. I mean, I... Tom's has seven Super Bowls. Now, I one thing I do think Pat could do is win like four MVPs. But if Pat Mahomes, let's say Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid win two more Super Bowls in the next five years, he'd have three Super Bowls in the first, what's he going into, year five? So in the first 10 years of his career, kind of like Tom. I mean, Tom had three. Tom got four more. Four more. Here's the other thing. Tom and Bill got together when Bill, Bill's like, what, 68 now? When Tom and Bill got together, that's 20 years ago, Bill would have been 48, late 40s, right? Andy's already in his, I think he's like 63 or 64, 62 maybe. I'm not trying to, not trying, if you're listening, coach, I'm not trying to overextend your age. Maybe you're 61. But if, if Andy was 50, I would say, yeah. I mean, maybe they could win, maybe they could win five together. Five total. Five, I mean, that's incredible. We're never seeing what Tom did again. Ever. Look at how, like, listen, I'm not the biggest LeBron guy, but he got to four. And really, let's face it, three, the bubble ones, I got red flagged. But, like, four's a lot. Michael won six. Like, it's hard to win six. It's hard to win seven. I, I'd lean no. I'd lean no. I'd say if Mahomes can get to three, that's an all-time career. I mean, look at look at Rodgers. Now, Andy's better than any coach Rodgers have had, but it's just hard to win, man. Uh, the Eagles are kind of a mystery. This is from Jared. The Eagles are kind of a mystery this year, but I listened to the Eagle Eye podcast with Philly reporters Ruben Frank and Dave Zangaro. Zango, I don't know. Maybe I'm, if I'm screwing up your name there, Dave, my bad. They say Jalen Hurst keeps getting better and better, and the young receivers are as well. Do you think the Eagles could surprise some people this year? Well, I actually think their roster is better than the way everyone's talking about them. Their offensive line is really good. Their defensive line is fantastic. So they're good in the lines. Now, the rest of their defense, I don't know, is any good. I've heard really good things about Gannon, the defensive coordinator. He's got, I was watching some of his press conference the other day. He's like this skinny, he's got this chiseled jawline. I, I've heard he's like an up and comer. But I, their DBs and their linebackers, not great. But they got a great defensive line. Offensively, beside the offensive line, they have skill guys. They have two tight ends. Goddard's a good player. Obviously, Ertz's a good player. They do have a lot of young wide receivers. I mean, Devontae Smith should be pretty good early. Rager 
I mean, has kind of been up and down, and you've seen the highlights in camp. He can make spectacular plays. Like those two, those are two first round picks. Then the one kid who against the Steelers, Max, I, I always screw up his name, who's like runs like a 4-140 is pretty good too. And then you got Miles Sanders, who's a good running back. And I've heard the same thing. Like this Jalen Hurts has gotten a lot better. So if he could just be solid, they have talent on their team. Like the problem for the Giants, for example, like I keep saying, if Daniel Jones is a solid, their offensive line sucks. So when you have a bad offensive line, it's hard for a young quarterback to kind of ever get anywhere. He's always running for his life. And I'm not saying Daniel Jones would actually ever get anywhere, but it's difficult when you just you can't depend on guys blocking for you. That's not going to be an issue with the Eagles. It's just not. Like their their lines are good. It's just a organization, you know, organizational philosophy. They've always drafted heavy the offensive linemen and defensive linemen. And to me, it's the way to go. I mean, a lot of good teams do. But the coach, like, I, I don't know. I don't think he's ever called a play in the league, right? He's been an offensive coordinator for teams with a head coach that was the play caller. That would be my question mark. But I do think their roster, and if Sirianni is just solid, yeah, they, they, they could be they could be better than people think. I would say that's a team that everyone's kind of shitting on that I've come around a little bit. I just... Now, I don't know if if, they, if Doug was their coach, I'd be like, you know, I wouldn't sleep on this team win the division. Sirianni might stink. He might. He might. I, I have no clue. But if he's solid, they could be decent. If he's good, uh, as crazy as it's going to sound, they could win the division. That that would be, I don't think that would be, if he was like a Sean McVay, a LaFleur, a Kyle type, which, you know, most guys aren't, right? Most guys aren't. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy the games. Have some cocktails. Don't let Tony Dungy, don't listen to uh, Tony, you know. Let's just, let's have some fun. Let's enjoy the weekend. See you guys next week. Peace. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct, but most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.